I went out walking through streets paved with gold Lifted some stones, saw the skin and bones of a city without a soul I stopped outside a church house where the citizens like to sit They say they want the kingdom but they don't want God in it Yeah, I went with nothing Nothing but the thought of you I went wandering Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter. I'm your host, Sean McCraney. If you have friends or family who uh, cannot watch the show on television, they can go to the internet, www.bornagainmormon.com, click on the TV shows, and they can watch it live, streaming video from anywhere in the world. So we invite you to call them right now and uh, inform them of that. In-house tonight, we have Mary Ellen and Janet, soon to return to another state for a while. We're going to miss them. We have Richard, we have Robert, we have Mike, and we have Reed, a small but very handsome and intelligent audience tonight, so we welcome them. Shout outs to my little friend Sarah. And Sarah, your mom and dad, great friends of mine. I love you. It was great to see you the other day. You keep listening to your mom and dad. It was good to see you, Sarah. The people of Sandy Ridge Community Church with Pastor Travis Mitchell. Paul Johnson in Arlington, Texas, who watches via the internet. Jack and Dorrit in Sutherland, Oregon, who also watch via the internet. Doug and Amy, my many, many thanks. Millie, our friend in Ogden, thank you for your support. Grandma Denny, a happy 28th birthday to Andy C., who does so much to make sure that we are technically sound in our uh, ministry. Uh, so happy birthday, Andy. Speaking of support, a heartfelt thanks to David and Nancy, Leon and Barbara, and David and Julie Ann. Your kind thoughtfulness is greatly appreciated. Also want to thank all of you for your prayers for our ministry. Prayer supports us like you can't believe. Finally, I want to thank all of those who send in articles and books or email me information on bits of it, bits of esoteric stuff that I miss and it really helps fill in the gaps with the shows. Finally, a shout out to the faithful people who come to Lord's Word and um, they're a group of seekers and believers who meet every Sunday morning uh, at uh, Gateway Theaters or at University of Utah on Sunday evenings. We started with a we are not going to conform with what people call church today and the Lord has blessed it greatly. If you're searching or tired of church shows or of religion, come check us out, join us, and if uh, you just want to see what we're about, stay with your home church if you're happy with it. Do not leave it, but if you're searching, come see us. All right. All right, kids, it's time for more manipulation. More manipulation. These are some things that we discover that people send us. It's the more manipulation moment. Audio. Dave handed this clipping from a newspaper uh, for me, and it's a quote from Parley P. Pratt on monogamy. It's on monogamy, all right? And this is what it says. I'm not, I wrote it out so I could read it better. The law of monogamy, or the monogamic system, laid the foundation of prostitution and the evils and diseases of the most revolting nature and character under which modern Christendom groans. Hmm. Awesome reasoning there, Mr. Parley P. Pratt. Honey, if you don't want me to come home with a vile disease, I better be getting myself another bride. You understand that thinking, don't you? That's essentially what the quote is saying. From a local Utah newspaper, a half-page advertisement recently ran with the headline, Back to the Temple Sale. The ad, which ran in an advertisement paper delivered to most homes in Utah Valley, included a 15% off on your entire 
purchase coupon, a listing of three convenient locations, and a byline that read, white clothing for the entire family. Uh, it would be kind of like going into ancient Israel and seeing a sign that says, sacrificial animals for all. Buy three turtle doves, get one free. I mean, is anyone looking beyond this stuff? Are we seeing, are you seeing anything in what is happening with this stuff? Do you see it or is it just me? Am I cynical? If I am, call me and tell me because to me it's, what the heck is going on? From Happy Valley, just a story I'm gonna say, heard about it today at AP Wire and what it is, is a woman was recently arrested in Orem, Utah for not watering her brown lawn. She's 70 years old. Ah, there is beauty all around, isn't there? Church recommendations. Bible Baptist Church in Taylorsville, Pastor Warnicke, 3769 West, 4700 South. And the Mid Valley Bible Church, 13885 South, 2700 West in Bluffdale, Utah, with Pastor Ken Hornick. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you. We praise your name. We're grateful for the airtime that we can discuss things, past, present, future, with regard to Christianity, knowing you in a relationship, and uh, the LDS Church today. We pray that eyes will open, hearts will open. Bless our volunteers, bless the people visiting, and the people who are viewing. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who uh, have not tuned in before, I haven't done this in probably two and a half, maybe three months, I'm going to give you a quick, brief summary of how everything came to be. I was born and raised a Latter-day Saint. I uh, was a returned missionary. I came home and was married in the L.A. Temple. I served in many positions in the church for over 40 years. Early seminary teacher, Sunday school teacher, elders quorum president, bishopric member, stake high council member, high priest. I, I was in all of it, the thick of it, for most of my life. But I never had a real relationship with God. I thought there were times when I had a relationship with God, but it was very tenuous. I never felt secure or peace in this relationship. I was always worried that, oh, I'm not doing this right, or man, I've got I've to make it up here, okay? And the situation led to desperation and despair in my heart. I found myself on an ever-spinning wheel of, of striving and working and failing and wondering. And that, to me, was not peace that you could have with a loving God. One day in 1997, I turned a radio show on in a, in a car I was driving. Long story short, I took the pastor's uh, message to go to God and turn your heart over, ask to be reborn, confess yourself a sinner. I did it, and long story short, by the end of the day, I was a new creature in Christ, and my life had radically changed. I remained a member of the LDS Church for four years thereafter, not knowing what else to do, but I was certainly a born-again Mormon. I was a born-again Mormon. For those Christian uh, people out there who don't think that's possible, they're wrong. And that's how I say now today in our ministry that I believe there are many Latter-day Saints who know Jesus and who, if they were to die, would go directly to the throne of God. No problem. And, and, so, and that's because in my own circumstance, my own experience, I, I, I had that too. In time, I wrote a book about what it means to be born again in Jesus called Born Again Mormon. Same title. In time, I, sh I sought to share this view with other people. And in time, I saw that present-day Mormonism fails to bring people to a regenerative relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, and this relationship is a reality. It's just not something that you kind, of, you kind of talk about and hope it's true. It's a reality that every person, no matter where they go to church, can have. No matter what their sin experiences are or continue to be, they can have it, and Jesus will give them strength to grow in him, okay? Once my eyes and ears fully opened, I went before the church, tribunal, high council. I was taught I should do this my whole life. I knew no other way. I asked to be excommunicated. I was. I deserved it, and I didn't want to be a member any longer, and I requested excommunicate me, which they did. I started a small online grassroots ministry called Born Again Mormon, www.bornagainmormon.com, and uh, that had about 4,000 uh, hits a month. And it started off very slow, and I just left it there, did no advertising. And it was to help people understand uh, in the LDS church that a relationship is paramount in your religious experience on earth, not religion. I attended Calvary Chapel School of Ministry two years full-time, 
uh, not including the hands-on experience they require, and I learned about the biblical presentation of Christianity and learned some different language approach and things like that. Um, and then through circumstances that only God could have somehow orchestrated, I somehow got a television show in Utah while living in California and going to school. I commuted up here on my own dime and in time, uh, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, where I was going to school, said they would underwrite me. They continued to underwrite my travel, my air expense to fly up here every week, and we've done that for over 18 months now. The website today um, averages over 500,000 hits per month, and, um, and things have gone through the roof, and I'm going to read some of those things tonight. We've expanded into another half-hour show called The Infallible Word, and then we also started a non-church church called Lord's Word, and uh, we just study the Bible, praise Jesus, and sing together and then leave. And so uh, all glory, all goodness, everything to God for the way he has taken the ministry and, and guided it. And uh, I just praise him for it. I have put off reading emails for months now. And I've got 23 I'm going to read to you tonight and respond to. And so let's get into them. From Mahon Rai, or actually it's... Mahan Rai Moriankamer, uh, what will thou do when the Book of Mormon is validated by archaeological evidence, Pastor McCraney? Well, first of all, I do not accept the Book of Mormon as legitimate, so I don't think that's ever going to happen. I believe it's a plagiarization of uh, 19th century themes, and that talk, we talk about that when we discuss the Book of Mormon. But let's suppose, hypothetically, that they find the gold plates. They find the actual gold plates. I want you to understand two things. I would still do this show because Mormonism today does not represent the plagiarism Joseph put from the Bible into the Book of Mormon about regenerative relationship with Jesus. It does not focus on Jesus. It focuses that the Mormonism today is an entirely different um, church. So even if they found the gold plates, I would still do the show and tell the leadership today they've got to change things within the church. It's dead. People are dead in that church, spiritually dead. The second thing is, and I hope you listen to this, even if they found gold plates, it doesn't mean present-day Mormonism is true. Let's say there was. There's not. But let's say there was. It doesn't mean Joseph Smith's further revelations were true. He could have been a young boy that actually found gold plates. He, he translates them. Okay. But it doesn't mean polygamy's right. Does it mean blood atonement's right? Does it mean that the line and the things he did after he supposedly translated these, that all those things should be accepted? It's juvenile laziness to believe that just because one thing is true, everything else afterward has got to be true too. And that's what every Mormon tries to get you to believe. If the Book of Mormon is true, everything else is true. That's insane. That's just insane. Okay, so there's my answer to that if the Book of Mormon was found. Mahanrai. Talking about culture shock. Sean. Um, uh, Brian talks about his wife going and uh, being, they were born again and they went and looked at different churches and he says, however, my wife was uncomfortable with the celebration style of worship after the fold your arms and be reverent style of the Mormon sacrament meetings. The transition was difficult for us. And I want you to know that culture plays a huge part in every religious institution. And so you do need to find a church that does suit your needs as you grow in the Lord. And there are some that are doing things. You'll walk in and you'll fall over. Just say, I, I do not want anything to do with this. And there's other that fit you. And then Brian goes on to talk about how there is a, a, a church, uh, the Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Sandy, that he and his wife have learned to appreciate. And it was a good transitional church for them. So Latter-day Saints, you might have to go and search for those kind of churches that suit your cultural expectations because it is a transition. In the same vein, I get one from... Uh, Ron, who's a Christian, and says, when you pray on TV, you sound like a Mormon. Hum-de-dum. In Jesus' name, amen. Please don't do that. When you pray, be truly sincere, like Jesus is right with you. Well, Ron, I love you as a brother, but if there's a wall nearby, bite it. Okay? Because, listen, I was taught, cradle to 40 years old, how to pray. I do worship Jesus. I do what I can. But when you start telling people that this prayer is not good and that prayer is, I think you're walking into trouble. All right? I think that's legalism and I think it just gives you a cause to judge how close someone is to God by their ability to pray. 
So I do pray humbly with my heart the things I say I mean. And if it doesn't suit you, you maybe you need to look in your heart and decide how important that really is, okay? From R, who is LDS, says, I'm a new former Mormon but was interested in knowing what Christians believe in regard to the pre-existence of the soul before the earth life. My Catholic friend says Mormons are the only faith who believe in a pre-life of the spirit. I am programmed to believe in the pre-existence. You are programmed. Absolutely. Well put. Uh, you talk about it. You're taught that as a child. And it is one of the three or four things that Latter-day Saints have the most difficulty understanding when they come out of Mormonism. Pre-existence is one. Um, the Trinity is another huge one for people to come around to, to start to see. Reading the Bible will definitely help you in that way. Uh, families are forever. Eternal marriage is a third, although some people rejoice over the fact that their marriage isn't eternal uh, once they come to know the Lord. But those seem to be the three of the big ones. And I just want you to know that the Greek philosophers taught, all you got to do is read, our book talks about this, it, the notion of a pre-existence. It's a Hellenistic thought, and it's based in philosophy of men. And the Christians believe in a pre-existence of Jesus only. He's the only earth being who had a pre-existent state. Jesus tells some people, I am from above and you are from below. You know, he, he really clearly tells them that he came from a place above, not us. All right. So there was no pre-existence uh, in the Christian realm. And uh, they also do not believe it because it's very unbiblical. You are programmed. You can overcome that through a number of ways. One, continue hearing the word, reading the word. You'll start to see God's plan here, where you came from. And, um, and that will help also continue to pray. Linda sends us an email and says, I saw this website posted in a Christian bookstore. And it appears that this organization, Standing Together Ministries, is trying to meld the LDS and Christians into one. If you click on, the, click on the evangelical calendar of the events at the top of the page, it will bring you to a calendar showing a national student dialogue conference. And under the plenary sessions, it talks about Bob Millett speaking at these. And you sh she suggests that I go and I confront Bob Millett. And uh, let me make a few clarifications. Standing Together was started by a guy named Greg Johnson. Greg Johnson is a good friend of mine. Greg Johnson is an excellent pastor preacher. He is an excellent teacher of the word. Um, he believes that if his, through his associations with high up LDS people, that that is going to evoke a change in the LDS church. I don't know if I believe that completely, especially with regard to the person that he has public shows with, Bob Millett. I've gone to the public show and Greg Johnson does an excellent job in representing the Christian church. But I find the, the representative of the LDS church to be duplicitous and uh, that's my personal opinion. Uh, I find him to, to speak of things that are not the practice or the truth. And, and I, I just have to say that. But I respect Greg. I respect Standing Together Ministries. And just because his methodology is a little different, it doesn't make it wrong. He's had some inroads, and, and I, I, I wish him Godspeed. We have Michelle who says Comcast Digital. She is tired of them never getting the heart of the matter show right, that the audience is constantly confused because when you, when you look, it's different. It's under a different name. And for us to call and complain to Comcast so something will be done. So I'm telling you, call them up and say, hey, get this right. And while, you're, while you have the phone in your hand, make an extra call to Dish Network, the local dish company, and say, hey, pick up TV20 again. Direct TV, Direct TV. I mean, we are missing millions and millions of households because Direct TV kicked us off their uh, programming. And Dish, Direct TV and Dish. I have a helpful helper back there telling me this. All right, next one uh, from Jared K. I'm amazed at how often you prove how stupid, stupid S-T-U-P-E-D, how stupid you are. The Mormons want to take over the world. What a rhino, he calls me. I said on a... Uh, on that trailer that the Mormons would like to take over the world, and I believe that they could. There's a book I suggest you read, Jared. It's called The Mormon Corporate Empire. It was written in the 1980s by Heinerman and Shoup. It's old, but it will, provide, it will prove to you how blind you are. Let me state something here that's probably going to tarnish my reputation even further on this subject, but whatever. Uh, Mormonism, since its inception, has always tried to establish a theocracy in any part of the country that they inhabit. Always. 
Joseph tried to do it when they came out here to Utah. Brigham tried to establish a theocracy. They have always tried to do it. And guess what? When, they, when the Mormons would arrogantly tell people, you know, we're going to take over the world. We're going to take over the nation. We're going to be over the government. You need to do things our way. They were persecuted. And that was part of the reason, not the whole reason. That's part of the reason they were driven out of the different places they were. Well, they got smart. And so now they are stealth, completely stealth. And I'll tell you, I'll they are slowly but surely gaining political, public, and economic power that one day is going to wield a mighty sword in the influence of this country, if not the world. And when they've got a firm grip on this, these sides of America and the world, you're going to start to choke. I'll tell you that right now. You think I'm crazy, but they don't have people in the hierarchy of the CIA and in the FBI and government positions. They don't have people. They tell their people to run for public office constantly. They are constantly looking for political persuasion. They don't have temples that dot the land for, uh, and stake centers that dot the land. They don't have a hierarchy that's based off a political um, a schematic. You know, if you look at the wards and the stakes, the whole thing. And uh, mark my words. If, it's, if it continues to go, if the members don't grow too tired of it, and it continues to grow like it is, stealth, you're going to be surprised. Okay? There's my comment on that. An actual letter, handwritten letter. Uh, I'm going to, quick question. This is a quote. It says from the Journal of Discourses. Quote, no man or woman in this dispensation will ever enter into the celestial kingdom of God without the consent of Joseph Smith. That's a quote. Uh, she wants to know, uh, she's heard this before, but Latter-day Saints do not believe it. Latter-day Saints will not believe these quotes. They won't believe anything that is counterintuitive to their desire to believe it's all true. And like I've said before, you could show them a picture of Joseph riding a goat with 11 women, 10 of them 10 years old, and they're not going to care. It's going to be Jesus and their lack of Jesus in their life that's going to get to them. Now, some of this information does reach people, and it wakes them up, and so I'm all for it. And that's why I love Sandra Tanner and utlm.org. Uh, her ministry is very good at providing great, reliable information. She asked a second question, and I'm not going to go into that, just lack of time. Uh, Micah clocks off. Um, this is from Jenny. She says, I have a comment to make about your last temple show. One caller made a comment about women doing initiatories in the temple. As a woman, I feel more comfortable about women performing this, performing this ordinance than a man. I don't see why having a woman speak in general conferences is so weird either. Aren't there starting to be a lot more women ministers? Times are changing. I think you missed the point, uh, Jenny. The point of us talking about that happening was to show how changes occur within the LDS uh, church, and they vacillate back and forth according to what their needs are, not according to what God wants. And that's why we brought that up. If they're going to have initiatories, I have no problem with a woman doing an initiatory for a woman. Uh, but, um, and speaking in general conference was just to show how women are starting to take more of a presence in the church, and that was all based off my saying they're someday going to have a priesthood, and that's why I made that comment. So try to take those things in, in uh, context. Um, uh, Patrick, an agnostic, wants to know, his question is, if you are not born again and don't run around praising God, are you destined for hell? Uh, there's a lot more to it, but, you know, you have to ask yourself, Patrick, um, do, you want, do you believe in Jesus and what he said? And he said, you must be born again. How that plays out in your life doesn't necessarily mean you're going to run around praising Jesus, okay? You might be a very calm person who doesn't do that. That's okay. But being born again means that the spirit you were born with, a sinful state, has been changed and you now have God dwelling in you. That's all it means. If you don't have God dwelling in you at death, then the same filthy spirit you had at birth is going to die and go to him. And that's when you run into problems. I would never say anyone who's going to hell ever it's not my job but just to let you know from a biblical context being born again is an imperative how that plays out I couldn't tell you in your life but it doesn't mean you necessarily have to run around praising God loudly and like a maniac Robert G says or long story short he asks about them building temples only in affluent areas that they give, that the LDS Church gives the pretense that they want everybody to enjoy the blessings of the temple, but more and more they're only putting them in places of affluence. 
And I have to say, of late, I think your I think your assumptions are really good. In fact, Kara, his wife, wrote this, and he says she says, "Do you have any opinion to substantiate this idea?" Let me say this. I live in Huntington Beach, California. There's a temple in Los Angeles. That's where I was married, and that's the only temple in Southern California. And then suddenly they put a temple in San Diego. Well, both of those temples are fairly long way from Orange County. So they put in a temple in Orange County, and they put in one in Newport Beach, California, which is some of the most expensive real estate in the most expensive neighborhood you can imagine. So I think there is something to that. They could have got land far more cheap uh, and more centralized than where they've put it. They may have other reasons. I don't want to be so cynical, but I think the model is there. The other thing that they're doing is instead of building multi-million dollar temples, they are putting temples in that are small and much more cost effective. They're very small relative to the size of the older ones. And what they do is when they put a temple in, all the wards within a 10, 20 mile radius participate in a thing that gets everybody in their ward temple ready. And they, there's a big excitement about, hey, get temple ready, get temple ready. They're putting a new temple in in Newport Beach, get temple ready. So all these people want to get temple ready. Well, part of getting temple ready is paying tithing. So it's a beautiful model to get people who are not necessarily active to build a small cost-effective temple and to get everybody rallied around being worthy to go in and that automatically causes everybody to start paying tithing. It's a perfect business model. So you can consider that for whatever it's worth. Josh says, I've been dating a girl for the past five months now. She's 25. I'm 25. She's 21. It's a really long story, but it always ends the same. She is LDS and I'm not, and I can't give her a temple marriage. We both know that this isn't going to work out. We're going through a cycle. I've tried to show her the facts about her faith, not to change her, but, to cause, but because I care about her. And he goes on and on about being in a place he doesn't know what to do. They love each other. What do you do? Um, you're in a tough position, Josh. Very tough position. I hope that some callers tonight who married interfaith, Mormon, Christian, Christian, Mormon, whatever, and have had the heartache of that experience, call in, Josh, if you're listening, and you can hear what they have to say. The emails that we get from people are often from people who married the Latter-day Saint, joined because they love the person, and then you know the blinders come off, the romance is over, and you're stuck with being a member of a church you don't believe in at all, and it causes difficulty with children. God gave us such good advice. Don't be unequally yoked in marriage. You marry somebody who has the same beliefs as you, and it's the best way. Marriage is tough enough. Every day, it's a decision to stick together sometimes, and you have to work through that stuff. And to have a religion, your religion being offset, is going to be very tough, my friends. So don't be unequally yoked. Take it to the Lord, and... Uh, and, and trust in him, but be very careful. Okay, uh, we are down the last three minutes. I've got I've to cut some of these out. Uh, let me go to this one, and we'll, I'll get these later. Uh, this one says, uh, I am considering filing a complaint with the FCC. Religious bashing has no place on public airwaves. Thank you, Bob. Another one that says, the hate speech on the show is unbelievable. You would never see a show like that about Jews or any other religion. We saw in Virginia Tech uh, weeks ago, there's too much hate in this world already. Uh, and we have one from Debbie Bell, a first year BYU law student, who says, uh, you may be able to say anything America and not get arrested, but there are levels of public decency and respect which should not be crossed regards to race and religion. And when those lines are crossed, the public will not stand for it. She gives us this directive. Sounds like it's almost Brigham Young. I will galvanize every person within the sound of my voice to see that this show, Heart of the Matter, is taken off the airwaves. Great speech, Deborah Bell from BYU, first year law student. I want to tell you, you know, what has happened in our country when talking about the facts and voicing an opinion is called hate speech. Race is not someone's choice. I don't talk about race, but being a Latter-day Saint is. And you want hate speech? How about the things that they have said that we've read on this show? How about Bruce R. McConkie's quote I read two weeks ago that says that the church of Satan is every Christian church? 
Is that not hate speech? How, isn't it hate speech when the missionaries knock on innocent people's door and, and tell them that their churches are all wrong and they have to come to the truth to get to the highest? That's a form of hate speech if you want to stretch it out. Deborah Bell, BYU student who has a galvanizing voice. The state of Utah has run roughshod over people since its inception, and it's about time someone called them on the stuff that we have verifiable data showing that they're lying in areas. They're just lying. That's not right. That's hate speech in my opinion. The question is, to every single listener out there who's LDS and is tired of me thinking that I'm full of hate, the question is, if you could see that the LDS church was false, would you want to know? Okay? Deborah Bell, you don't want to know. So hiding behind that, that, that law degree you're trying to pursue, you're still a coward. Listen to the facts that I give. Don't call it hate speech and do your homework. All right? Let's go to Luigi, first time caller in Salt Lake City. Luigi, you're on Heart of the Matter. I hope that's not considered hate speech. Gosh. Luigi? Oh, Luigi. We, we have to talk to Luigi. Not there? Hey, we're, Luigi. Luigi, is your TV on? You got to turn it off, my friend. Okay. Here's Luigi. Okay, you ready to go? Yeah, I want to ask a couple questions. Okay. I saw, you told me one time on TV that Brigham Young, who was married to a girl, she was 14 years old. No, Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith? Joseph Smith, yeah. Uh, the question I want to ask, why they persecute a guy on St. George when Joseph Smith was married to one 14 years old girl? Why they persecute a guy? What's his name? That guy in St. George over well, the there. Well, the problem, though, Luigi, is he was married. Huh? <laughs> he was married when he married her. Uh, I mean, he was married. He was married. I don't know, because that's interesting to me, because on time I watch you show, he said, bring me young, was married to 14 years, 13, 14 years old, or that was Joseph Smith. I love you, but I can't understand you. How, what are you saying? How, how come, how come they prosecute Jeff? They want it, that's St. George. Good question. You know, why do they persecute Jeffs? They ought to say Jeffs is in accordance with Joseph Smith's teachings. Oh, Another question I want to ask you. I love this. Do believe that God is a man? Or, or spirit? They said they believe he's a man and had more than one wife. Is that true? No, they believe he is a man and he has more, yes, and more than one wife. That is true. That's all. Oh, well... What do you want to do? Can I come in the restaurant sometime? What do you want Anytime. I would love to meet you. Huh? Anytime, Luigi. Anytime. What do you want in your office? My office? Well, uh, we, you got to meet us at Denny's. On the restaurant? Yeah, on 5th fifth, on fifth South, tonight after the show or any night after the show. All right, then. I'm going to have a come at dinner to see you. Okay, my friend. Thank you. So they believe in God that had the mother and one wife, huh? Yes, sir. All right, then. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Bye-bye. They don't necessarily talk about that much anymore, but that was definitely a foundational belief. And polygamy is an eternal principle. They still practice it in the temples. Therefore, God practiced that because he is at the top of the heap, so he had to have. Daniel, BYU Baseball. Is this the same Daniel? Daniel, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. Hey, Daniel. <laughs> What's up? Same thing, man. How are you? Pretty good. I just... Um... I want to talk to you about a conversation that I had with some of my teammates. Tell me. Um, so say in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, Yeah. it says, He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So I asked my teammates who upholds the universe in Mormon theology, yeah. and they couldn't give me an answer because I, I, I said to them, you know what, doesn't um, Mormon theology teach that there is a council of gods, and doesn't it teach that the Father used to be a man on another planet, or I guess, uh -huh. under his God, and didn't his God also have a God? So they really couldn't tell me anything about who upholds the universe. Did they agree with those comments about God? They did agree with those comments. Yeah. 
people will call and they'll debate and say that's not true, it's not true. But when you talk to them like Daniel's talked to them, they will admit it. They, they believe it, an eternal regression of God's. God had a father who had a father. And that's a great question that you asked it, my friend. And so, like, and then we started talking about, like, Jesus' deity. I mean, if, if, if the author of Hebrews is going to say that Jesus upholds the universe, I mean, come on, I mean, Mormons know that Jesus didn't exist with the Father for all time and eternity. You know what I'm saying? I do know. You're bringing up great points. Keep, keep witnessing to those boys on that baseball team. I will, and I want to ask you one more question. Yes. All right, I ask this a lot of times. Do you have to be forgiven in order to be obedient or obedient in order to be forgiven? That's a great question. Are you asking me? Yeah. I think you have to be forgiven in order to be obedient. And every Mormon I ask at school says you have to be obedient in order to be forgiven. And therein lies, you've gotten to the, you've gotten to the crux of the difference between Christianity and Mormonism, and yet they, com they claim they're Christian. That's total legalism right there. Total. Like you have to earn forgiveness. Yes. Earn forgiveness, or isn't, you have to just fall down. Isn't that amazing? Fall down. You gotta constantly grovel, and if you're not doing enough, God may just may banish you down to another kingdom. Uh -huh. It's horrible. Very good call, my friend. Thanks for calling. All right, thanks, Sean. I'll try and make it out next week. All right, Daniel, see ya. Bye. Bye. We're going to Joseph in West Jordan. Joseph, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well, Joseph. How are you? All right. I've been watching your program for a while, and I want to say you're doing an awesome job. I really appreciate what you're doing. Thanks, Joseph. And a couple of questions for you. Um, I actually attend a church called uh, Shadow Mountain. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. It's an awesome church. Um, we just recently had a um, seminar on the, unique, the uniqueness of living in Utah. And it was a study on Mormonism and stuff um, so that our members can be better informed. And one of the things that really struck me was we looked at the first vision uh -huh. and the multiple accounts. Right. And I was wondering, uh, do you have anything to say about that? And I'd like to know if you know where I can possibly get some more information on that. We actually analyzed a couple of them, and there's some major contradictions there um, in, those, in the, that, that first vision, which the whole church basically, I guess, is based on. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting. Gordon B. Hinckley used to say that the Book of Mormon was the keystone to the religion. They've backed off on that. Now they're saying the first vision. If the first vision was true, then the whole church is true from that point forward. The interesting thing is the first vision is an unprovable thing. The Book of Mormon is becoming more and more provable false. So they've backed off from that. Now they're saying the first vision is the linchpin, the keystone to the religion. Two things. I'd go to utlm.org. And I would check out all the information that uh, Sandra and Gerald Tanner provide you uh, with regard to the first vision. And if you want a book, uh, one that I really love, and it's by an LDS author, is Grant Palmer's An Insider's View of Mormon Origin, because he addresses the first vision and he shows you from a Latter-day Saint, historically an ex-seminary institute teacher, exactly how problematic the thing is. Right. Well, I want to thank you for uh, your time, and uh, God bless you in what you're doing. I am a Christian. I do believe in God, and I know that I'm born again, and I know that I will go to heaven one day, and keep Pray good work. Praise God, Joseph. Thanks for your call. God bless you. Okay, bye-bye. God bless you. We have Sherry, first-time caller from South Jordan. Sherry, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I am LDS mm -hmm. in my whole life. Yes. And um, I've always had a very strong testimony of the church until this last year. Uh-huh. Um, I, I don't know why, but I started questioning things. Um, been married in the temple, everything that you're supposed to do. Uh-huh. But I am tired of feeling guilty all the time. Good. And my kids have felt nothing but guilt and have fallen away from the church and are to the point now where they um, say they don't believe in organi organized religion. Right. I guess what I'm trying to ask is, what is the Book of Mormon if it wasn't written or, you know, or given to Joseph Smith? Then where did it come from? It's a great question. And um, 
I want you to understand that Joseph Smith was uh, a very accomplished man, though he wasn't educated formally. He was very smart. And it, but if you look through the Book of Mormon, in fact, we have six shows that we did this year on the Book of Mormon. And uh, we just categorically go through and show you that he took the material from an assortment of different places. He took the material from 19th century themes that were popular in his area at the time, almost verbatim, you can read quotes. He borrowed heavily from the King James Version and made transcription errors and linguistic errors that are beyond belief. He borrowed from uh, uh, manuscripts and literature that were not his, and he put them all together in a narrative that was very popular uh, in a book called The View of the Hebrews, and he copied some of that too. He borrowed from themes of masonry, he borrowed all over the place, and he compiled it in a book that was going to give us another Bible, essentially. Right. And he supplied it, and uh, we don't know if he had help. Some scholars say no, and some scholars say yes. His, he, remember, he got the plates, supposedly, in 1823. Right. Seven years later, he produced the manuscript. Right. That's a long time to be working on it. And uh, I believe the thing, he may have even had good intentions with that. I don't know. But it, and the book is not necessarily anti-Christendom because he borrowed from biblical themes. That's what he knew. Right. But what is definitely anti-Christian, anti-Bible, is Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, temple ceremonies, practicing polygamy, all these other uh, strange doctrines are absolutely contrary to, uh, to the Bible. I don't believe in the Book of Mormon, but just trying to put it all in one. That's where I believe it came from, Sherry. Okay. Hey, can we send you my book? Yeah, one other question. Oh, though. Yeah. You know, in the scriptures, in the Bible itself, and I, I don't always remember where, where they're at, but I read them a lot, and I read the Bible, and I read the Book of Mormon, but I do remember it saying in the Bible that there would be a learned man that would receive a closed book, and then there would be an unlearned man that would receive the closed book, and the unlearned man would be able to translate it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you're talking about uh, some passages in Isaiah, and they don't talk about unlearned man and learned man. Uh, I don't believe they use those words. I can't remember the scripture or the place, but it is in Isaiah, and it, and it fit with a circumstance where they took the manuscript to Charles Anton in, uh, at Columbia University, and he said, uh, I want to see uh, the book, and it, it tied into the story, and Joseph just made that passage fit what occurred. He's very good at doing that, and, uh, but it really, when you look at those passages in, in Isaiah, and if you email me, go to our website, email me, I'll send you those passages and show you what they mean, you're going to find that they were just totally taken out of context and applied to the situation to make it look legitimate. It is absolutely not legitimate. Okay. I, I'm not saying that I don't believe in the religion. Right. I don't know right now. I'm confused. Sure. <laughs> and I'm 48 years old, and, and before I used to have a very strong one, so... I'm searching again, but well, yeah, I will. I definitely will email you. Praise God. Listen, stay on the line, and our operator will take your address, and we'll send a book out to you. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you, and thanks for calling. Uh-huh, bye-bye. Well, an operator, pick up line one. Let's go to Jason on line four. Haven't used four in a while. Jason, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, can you hear me? I guess I'm on line four. You're on line four, yes, and I can hear you. Okay, good. Hey, I got three things the Mormons do want to conquer the world. Number one, here's the number one thing, why? Back in 2002, do you remember that street preacher who got arrested by the uh, Mormon uh, security guards when they thought they owned the land? It was on the show after... It was, the guy is on the show after... Yeah. Show, yeah. Yeah. Or should I say religious police? Hello? Number two, providing propaganda. Mormons, there's still Mormons who believe if we had a nuclear war right now, these mountains, these mountains would protect us from uh, radiation. No, they wouldn't. You know how powerful a nuclear missile is? These mountains, they, there wouldn't be no mountains. <laughs> We'd be hitting the valley. Number three, if the Mormons could during pre-existence time, you know, because they believe that, yeah, they would brainwash us with the Book of Mormon first, then say, oh, we believe in free agency, then send us down to Earth, and then turn around, oh, we believe in free agency, don't we? No, they don't. And yes, they would change the Constitution. Wild thoughts, Jason. Wild, and, and, and I, haven't, I haven't really considered some of those. 
Hey. Masons, really quick, you want the information on Masons? Here's a secret for you. Look on the dollar bill on the pyramid and the eagle and study it very carefully, and you will see some Mason traits on there. We'll do it, very man. Interesting. Thank you so much, Jason. Appreciate your insight. You're welcome. Okay, see you later. Bye. Bye. We're going to Andrew in Salt Lake City. Andrew, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Uh, July 28th of this year, there was an article in the Salt Lake Tribune, and the title was LDS Church Alters Pamphlet on Gay Sex. Have you heard anything about that? I have, yeah. They call it uh, Children of God or something like that. God, all, all God's children, yeah. Okay. Um, I, as I read this article, I, as I remember it, uh, it kind of said that, um, that gay sex was wrong, but thoughts about it weren't necessarily sinful. And uh, you can check me out and make sure I'm right. But uh, I, was, I, I think what I see coming down the road is, is that uh, in the future, the LDS Church may very well change its uh, position on this to support uh, homosexuality just being in with uh, mainstream culture. And I'm curious what you think about that. You know what, I, uh, Andrew, I, I am going to step out on a limb. You get in trouble because I'm, I'm not a prophet yeah. or anything. But I absolutely agree with you. And I think Mormonism is humanism in disguise. And I think in time they will embrace homosexuality. They want to survive. And as the world turns more and more to it, that article, that pronouncement, which is on the LDS Church website, I don't know about the statement you made, but I know it says that homosexuality is not a choice. I know it says that. Okay. And that's a big step in a direction that they have never been before. Okay. Yeah. So it's a really good call, and I agree with you. I think in someday they're going to accept that as an accepted uh, lifestyle, and I want the homosexual viewers to know that uh, I don't judge you any uh, more harshly than someone who tells a white lie or someone who uh, lusts after women or beats dogs. Uh, sin is sin. And I'm not saying homosexuality is right, but I love you the same. I'm a sinner and uh, God will work with homosexuality just like he works with my problems. Okay, but I want to make that clear, but, but, but by condoning it and saying it's okay is just absolutely humanist and I agree with you, uh, Andrew. Okay. Thanks so much for the call. Thank you, Lord bless you. Okay, Lord bless you, bye-bye. All right, uh, got an email. I wish. Um, uh, this says from Kelly, my husband, children, and I are moving to a new neighborhood. Presently, our Mormon neighbors seem to give us the cold shoulder. We are not LDS and are not uh, interested in conversion, but we are concerned for our children as we want them to have friends in our new neighborhood. Do you have any suggestions? Uh, this is a major reoccurring theme for uh, concerned Christians and people in the state. Uh, my heart feels for them. I had uh, uh, spent some time with four women over 80 uh, a couple weeks ago, and they grew up in the state, and they told me stories that would raise your, the hair on your back of your neck. But the LDS Church, just understand this, does not embrace religious pluralism. Plural, pluralism means more than one way. They do not. And I think that uh, because they say they are the only true church on the face of this earth, naturally the, the byproduct of that are going to be children and teenagers and parents looking down their noses at someone who doesn't embrace their religious beliefs. Uh, you don't belong to the only true church. So why on earth would we befriend you if you've let us know that you're never going to convert? They, they, now, there are good Mormons who will love you in spite of this uh, premise, but there is a lot of pressure on people whose children and grandchildren are not LDS and refuse to be LDS in this state. I think that every single person who's not LDS and who is in ministries to teach LDS should ask this question, when are you going to say that other Christian churches can lead people to the highest heaven? When will you embrace Christian pluralism that not all sects are wrong? Because you can't say you're Christian and then turn your back on everybody else saying we're the only right ones. When will you say it's okay to be a Baptist if you're, if you're a believer in Christ? When will the LDS church sit? That's a big thing that they need to address. And they may even do it sometime just in order to survive. All right, we're going to Michelle and Sandy on line one. Michelle, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I'd like to send out my prayers to you. Thank you. I need them. Yeah, Psalms 91, 11, 12. I always pray for you. 
Thanks so much. Um, my question is, is I am an ex-Mormon, and I was wondering if you know what the Mormon official stance is on abortion. Yeah, I, I do. Um, they aren't uh, for pro-abortion, but um, they believe that abortion is fine in the case of five things. And I don't know if I can recall them, but here's the gist. The first one is if a medical professional has deemed that the baby will not have a viable existence outside the womb, if the mother's life is in danger, in the case of rape or incest, uh, and there's two others that aren't as significant as those, but to the best of my knowledge. So in essence, they will endorse and they will allow abortion. Um, if you've had an abortion, you can become a member of the church. Um, there's, if you've had a transsexual operation, you cannot. But those are the basic things I remember about abortion in the, in the LDS church. Okay, I appreciate that. It's always been kind of vague when I ask, yeah, <laughs> ask Mormons anyway. So. Yeah. Thanks so much, Michelle. Thanks for your prayers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, do we have a call? No, let's, uh, the, the operators are busy. The lines are full. If you want to get through, just keep uh, dialing the phone and you will get through. You know, this one just keeps popping up here. I want to read it quickly. Gary says, I have become disillusioned with knowledge. He says, the more I learn, the less I know until I will eventually know everything about nothing. And uh, he seems, it seems like uh, we just know nothing. All we do is argue, debate, and fuss about all this, just like idiots. Humans are idiots, dumb, stupid, you know. We can't agree on anything at all. I can see how people become relativists. He goes on and on. And I want you to know, Gary, that I resonate to what you're saying. I got to a point where I became uh, nihilistic in my thoughts. I thought nothing. Very Jean-Paul Sartre existentialist. Forget it. It's just here and now, and that's all that's real. But there is an answer, and it is Jesus. He says he's the truth, the way, the truth, the life, the truth. That is, when you know him, that is truth. All, everything that's said about him, all the different stuff, not necessarily. But he, relationship, Gary, is truth. When you find him, you will begin to see things as they are. You'll, be, you'll begin to see reality. And Jesus will open your eyes. Sounds like a cliche, I know, but you have to, I've been there. So, yes, you can continue to learn and learn and learn and never come to a knowledge of the truth. But God will step in and give you a new spirit, and he will help you see truth and hear truth and understand truth with your heart as you turn your will and life over to him. If you're not at a last resort, maybe you're one of these guys who needs to be, where you'll just fall into the gutter finally and say, I believe in nothing at all angrily. And then remember, call out to God, ask him to take over your life, and he'll do it. We're going to Lorraine and Sandy. Lorraine, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. You know, I've been watching your show off and on for quite some time, and I appreciate and love what you're doing. Thank you, Lorraine. You mentioned about Temple Ready a few minutes ago. Uh-huh. Well, let me tell you. I've been an old gal. I'm Jack Mormon, clear through, all the way down the line. But uh, my sweetheart wanted to take me through the temple about three years ago. He's no longer here with, with us there at this planet. I'm sorry. I went to the temple. I, no, I didn't go through the temple. I took the classes. I paid the tithing. I regular attendance. I done all of the things they wanted for me. I went to the temple uh, classes they asked for. I had my uh, talk with the bishop okay. three times. Not once, but three times he turned me down. One of the questions he asked me, did I believe Joseph Smith was prophet of God? Right. I said, I believe he was a man, I believe he wrote a book. Three times the bishop turned me down, said I was not spiritual enough to go through the temple. So, my sweetheart's no longer with me, and that's the way the game goes. And I am very, very, very disgusted with the whole situation and disappointed clear down the line. Well, have you ever stepped out of just the difficulty and the pain that you have and ever sought the Lord in another avenue? Have I ever, what I did, can hear you. Have you ever sought the Lord through another avenue besides Mormonism? Through prayer. Oh, how's that going? Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, that's you wonderful. I've spoken more to God in the last eight months than I have in my life. That is wonderful. Praise God. Listen. That's right. Where, where else, where, where do you live? Are you mobile? Do you get out? Oh, yes, uh-huh. 
Well, why I'm don't a grandma, and I'm blessed beyond measure. I've got a beautiful family. I've got beautiful grandchildren. I've had came from a beautiful family, so I've been blessed beyond measure. Lorraine, you live in Sandy. Try out, just off the top of my head, Sandy Ridge Community Church to step in there once, just one time, talk to Pastor Travis and see what Where happens. Where are they located at? Uh, you know, it's on our website, 106 South. 106 South. I don't know nothing about a website. I'm old, old-timer. All I know is a phone and writing letters, you know. 106 South, Sandy Ridge. Call them if you can't find them, and just try it once. Please, Lorraine, and let us know what you think. Give me that, ni- that name of that church again, would you? Yes, Sandy Ridge Community Church. 106 South. Uh, yes, 106 South. Okay, I, I think I know where that is. That's just down from where I live. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Thank you, you. and you are re- you're really what I need at this time. Bless your heart. I appreciate what you're doing. God bless you, Lorraine. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. And our, and our handsome crowd is applauding. Okay, I'm going to try to get a call in, but I'm going to read something that I wouldn't normally do. Um, but uh, I love these, these people, and I got an email from their daughter, and uh, she is in Germany. She watches a show from Germany, and... Uh, and she wrote this and she asked if I would read it. It's two, two short paragraphs about her mom and I'm going to do it. And it says, my mom has worked so hard for me. She raised me despite my fickle, demonistic tendencies, helped me with impossible math homework, led our entire family to Christ, nurtured and grew over a hundred uh, kids for God at our church, Christ Evangelical, while raising four kids of her own. And even now she is parenting me through email and Skype, providing our family while my father is on disability. And she's managing to put a few hundred dollars in my spending account, too. She's amazing. She's always amazing and inspiring to me. She is and will be forever my greatest hero, along with my dad. All of the people my parents have touched or influenced is proof that they deserve the title twice over. I dedicate a song to my mom in Utah in the United States. I don't know if she's here. It's called Somebody's Hero. My mom knows uh, how to use it, and she is way cool talking about YouTube. Final paragraph. Somebody's Hero is a song about a mother who raised her daughter until she has grown and married. At the end of the song, her daughter is looking back at the photograph and wishing she could be a hero like her mom. Even though she has a busy life, the daughter stops by the resting home where her mother is staying and feeds and cares for her. Although my mom will never have to live in a resting home, it is my prayer I can be there for her like the daughter in the song was for her mom. That is uh, to um, Suzanne uh, and Bruce, Suzanne and Bruce Plimpton who are out at uh, Christ Evangelical, who were LDS, who took their family and faced the Lord and uh, have brought many people to the Lord through their example, pioneers in this uh, way before we ever had a show. So I just wanted to say and read that to you. Thelma, line one, we're going to want, Thelma, you have about a minute. Okay. How are you? You're on the air, Thelma. Thelma, you got to turn your TV off. Okay, you're on the air. Thelma? No, yes. You're on the air. Oh, uh, I want to know about, do they still baptize for the dead? And do they count the dead as members today? And where did the gold plates, where where are they at? My husband told me the angel took them to heaven. (laughs) Your husband's right in that. The angel Moroni took it back to heaven. Yes. That's, that's what they tell us. How could they pick him up? He was a strong angel. He, uh, he carried him around for Joseph while he translated them, too. That's not my making it up, kids. That's in the, it's in the history. As far as baptisms for the dead, they still do it. And uh, usually they have the younger kids do that who are in mutual. They go to the temple and they're baptized in the name of someone who has died so that person can accept Mormonism in the heaven beyond and enter into heaven. And then the final question was, do they include the people they've baptized for the dead in their membership records? Someone else asked me that, and I don't know the answer. If someone knows the answer to that, please call or email us and tell us what it is, because I don't know. Great question, Thelma. Thank you for calling. Okay? Yeah. One more. Have, do you have a paper that you were excommunicated? A paper? Yeah. Telling that you were excommunicated I, from I, the church? I think I do somewhere. Oh, I, my husband never got one. Well, he ought to call and demand to see that thing. <laughs> no, he passed away 22 years ago, so oh. I've often wondered if they still count him. 
Yeah, I, they probably do, Thelma. They probably do. We have 30 seconds, my dear. Thank you so much. Okay. God bless you. Bye-bye. All right, listen. We are at uh, Pastor in the Pub tonight, Denny's, at um, 5th South in downtown Salt Lake City, 250 West, if you want to join us, about 9.30 to 11.30. Also, uh, you can tune in to uh, The Infallible Word, which is on Monday nights and Friday nights here on the same station. We love you. We'll see you next week talking about temples.